Welcome back to Mishnayomi. Let us continue learning Mishnayas Meiser, Shani Perek, Hey, Mishnah Gimel, and Mishnah Dalid. And it's continuing our discussion of Meiser Shani. Now, if this Mishnah, Mishnah Perek, Hey, Mishnah Gimel, sounds familiar, well, in fact, it is because we'd learned it before this Mishnah shows up in Mesechlis Peya, Perek Zion, Mishnah Vav. And for those who want to keep track, in Mesechlis Idios, Perek Dalid, Mishnah Hey. And the reason it shows up there in Mesechlis Idios is because that's a a list of the Machlokas and Beishamai and Beishelo. Well, not all of them, but the ones where uh, it seems Beishamai is more makel. Says our Mishnah. This is going to be important, that as we noted, that although there's a lot of overlap between Karim Ravai and Netra Ravai, I keep on using them interchangeably, um, and and um, and Meiser Shani, here are going to be some differences. Karim Ravai, Beishamai, Omrim, Ein Lo Chomeshti. There's no law of, when you redeem, you have to add on a fifth, again, when it's your own produce, and we learned from Meiser Shani, one must add on a fifth, although we pointed out that if it's not yours, and we went through the different legal fictions that the Haramas one can do in order to avoid the fifth, it's not subject to Bior. If you recall, when we learned Mesechta's Shvius. Now, we should all do Chazara. So, but Mesechta's Shvius, quick Chazara, that one is allowed to bring produce into their house from the year of Shemitah until Zman Bior, until it's no longer available in the fields. As we learned from the Pasek, that so long as the animals of the field, the beasts of the field, partake in this, you can have it in your house. Once they no longer have it available for them in the field, then you have to remove it from your house. Thus, it's called Bior, destruction. Well, when it comes to uh, when it comes to netravai, it's not subject to bior. It is subject to both uh, bior and it, you have to add on a chomish. Another machlokus between the two when it comes when it comes to meiser sheni. Excuse me, netravai. Bishami omrim yeshlo parav yeshlo ololos. That the fruits of the vineyard of um, of meiser sheni. Oh, excuse me, I keep saying meiser sheni. I meant of um, netravai. Are, have the laws of Peret and Ololos. If you recall, what were those? Those were two gifts given to the poor. Peret was the uh, the grapes that fall off the cluster, and Ololos were the undeveloped clusters. However, you don't have to really deal with it. You can let, 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 them, let them stay there. And the uh, Aniyam, the poor people, when they come and take them, they can deal with redeeming it and bringing it themselves to Jerusalem. Again, they, it's up to them to, t- to take care of it. We no. Kululagat, all of it goes to the wine press, i.e., it all belongs to the owner. And the reason for that is because Beis Hill is of the opinion that Netaravite, like Meiser Shani, is considered Mamungavoa. It belongs to God, it doesn't belong to you. And if it doesn't belong to you, then it's not subject to the legal ramifications of things that belong to you. Included in that are the, the, the requirement to pay tzedakah, to give tzedakah. Mishnah Dalit. How does one redeem Netaravai? So you have to. Uh, properly evaluate what the cost is. So we, d- we discussed, Meister Shani, how you do it, and it's a little, it's similar, although, although there are going to be some differences. Kate's a potent How does one redeem Netaravai, the guy in the produce from the fourth year? You take a basket, you fill it, um, t- um, and you, you go to three experts, and you say to them, when you say, how many baskets um, would a person be willing to redeem for a cellar? Now, here's the crucial difference, and this is very important. You do this all with the understanding that, excuse me, you do this all uh, when the fruits are still attached to the tree. Meaning, how much would a person pay for us? Uh, how many baskets would, would, would you get for a cellar's worth of, of grapes, let's say, that are still attached to the vine? Why is that important? Because when it's attached to the vine, it's actually cheaper. Unlike nowadays, when you have to pay the triple amount to go to one of these pick-your-pick-yourself farms, 
if you go to a, a, a real farm, so before it's manufactured, before it's produced, before it's, you know, it's essentially when it's still in its raw state, i.e. it's still attached to the tree, so it's, it's going to cost less because there's more labor that's now going to have to go involved in harvesting it. So by assessing its value when it's still attached to the tree, what you're, what you're essentially doing is, I'm not slow to you, it's base, so what essentially you're doing is writing off the expenses that you're going to have to now expend on processing these fruits. Why? Again, because it's a che- you're getting the cheaper rate when it's still attached to the tree. So again, you, uh, you assess it at how much it costs when it's still attached to the tree. And then you take money, coins of the equal amount, and you redeem it on them and say, Any fruit that's picked from this tree is now redeemed onto these coins. At the rate of such and such number of baskets for a seller, as in the rate established by the mumchen, the three experts that you called in. So again, one of the differences here, one that's important to note, is you're assessing the value when it's still attached to the tree, so you get a uh, a lower rate, and it's a, it ends up being a kula for you. I wish you all a wonderful day and a wonderful Shabbos.